This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Today we're going to talk about the subject of ethics. And I just want to play a clip real quick regarding doing the right thing. Here it goes. Well, I don't think anyone can deny that we have a problem here. We're in an ethical mess. I started working in the prisons 35 years ago. There were 229,000 people in prison. Today, there's 2.3 million. The financial crisis has rocked the world and shaken markets worldwide. Lenders were encouraged by the government to lend to less creditworthy buyers. Almost everyone in a position of financial authority embraced it. At the same time, they sold them short and hammered them like mad, raked in money. At every level, they were deceiving the people they were dealing with. Well, Wall Street not only saw no evil, but saw a great deal of virtue, which could be quantified in billions of dollars. That was the virtue of it. Why are we surprised when there's a lack of ethics in the lenders, Wall Street, government? It's an inescapable consequence of neglecting moral training. One of the things in society today, it seems like, is that we want ethics. We want truth. We want kids to not cheat on tests. We want politicians to do the right thing. And time and time again, we find ourselves in this atmosphere of wondering right and wrong and what is it because we've lost our reference point of truth. And today, Pastor Mark and I are going to discuss the matter and some practical things in talking about the idea of ethics, but also the point that we we have to have a moral reference point, right? Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a moral compass, and, and that's, I think, what you hear in the clip you're playing. Um, with, without, without some kind of moral guide, moral compass, moral starting point, then you can't stay consistent. And uh, that, that's the danger of moral relativism, and, and sometimes that term is overused and overplayed. But the reality is we see people being inconsistent in their, in their moral ethic on a daily basis. One rule applies to me, a different rule applies to you. We're going to do this. I'm going to make my kids behave this way, but I'm going to behave a different way. And they're just being inconsistent with what they would call, what we would call ethics or or their moral compass. You know, and we're surprised when we see the results of not having a moral compass. It's like, oh my goodness, they're going to jail. Well, what did we expect when we don't teach a certain right and wrong? Or, oh my goodness, the kid got suspended. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that's interesting to me is that in doing the right thing, Charles Colson, he speaks of a school and he says, what's interesting is, you know, they wanted to teach ethics, this class on ethics. And yet their underlying view was that everything is relative. Mm-hmm. And you can't have both and. Everything right. can't be relative. Whatever I believe is true, whatever you believe is true, um, objectively. And what I mean by right. that is, say, for example, if you like chocolate ice cream and I like vanilla ice cream and I say, well, hey, 
vanilla ice cream is the best ice cream ever, right? Yeah. Okay, well, that's subjective. That means it it's toward the person. Right. I can have my opinion in that. That's like someone having an opinion. Right. But if I expect someone not to lie, that's objective. What? Where does that come from? Where does right. that originate? Yeah, a lie needs a definition at that point. Like, what is a lie? <laughs> and and once there's a definition of that, then you you have to have an objective truth, right? It's interesting because I, I I heard a radio commercial just today, and it's a husband and wife, and they're following their their son who's just gone off to college on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or something like that. And so they're going, oh, look, he just posted. He was studying in the library. He's doing so great at college. And here he is with his friends and the dorm. And look how much fun they're having. And, and then, oh, what's this video? Oh, my goodness, what's he doing? Oh, my, is that safe? Can't The wife then says, can we still ground him? And the dad <laughs> says, maybe we should just unfollow him. And I went interesting choice like we're not going to say what he's doing is wrong like we we see it and we don't like it we don't we don't think it's a good idea or a safe idea or a wise decision but we can't say anything about it we just would be better off not knowing about it and i went wow is that where truth has taken us where it's just i can't tell you that what you're doing is is wrong or even dangerous for you mm-hmm. i need to just pretend like it doesn't exist. The question arises, how do we help people understand being in the church, understanding that there is a moral standard that originates in God? God is truth. What did Jesus say? I'm the truth, the way, and the life. He even said, what? I came to testify to the truth. Right. And so a lot of times we sit back and, and see these instances and we kind of don't know what to do. Yeah. So I think the question comes up is, how do we cultivate or inspire our kids in loving Jesus yeah. and helping them understand that there is a right and wrong? It is okay to speak the truth in love yeah. and, and what that kind of looks like. Yeah, developing the conscience is what you're talking about and so much of the culture is searing the conscience uh, and desensitizing the conscience it's letting your conscience be comfortable with things that aren't objective or letting your conscience begin to be comfortable with with sin and and so you've got to you've got to actively cultivate the conscience and 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 teach and train the conference conscience uh, John Piper talks about about that uh, when when he speaks even about the issue of alcohol which he says for for him he understands that uh, the Bible does not condemn someone using alcohol it condemns drunkenness but he his conscience had had been trained as a young boy and a young minister by his by his pastor and father to not drink, that using alcohol was dangerous and sinful for him. And he said, I understand I could I could train my conscience to accept a different standard and, and it wouldn't even necessarily be wrong, but I don't want to train my conscience in that area. I want to stay I want to stay here where it's safe. And he said that comment years ago and, and he may 
comment differently on that particular subject today, but I think that's still relevant uh, in whatever we're talking about. It's the idea of training and teaching the conscience about what is truth. And part of the how question really boils down to how do you begin to do that if an individual doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You can't, you can't train that conscience because that conscience is under the control of the fallen human nature. And so you have to have the new creature made by God, remade by God, reborn, uh, John 3, uh, new birth must occur. And then in the new birth, you have a, a conscience that is now controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you can train then that conscience. So some of our dilemma is we, we're trying to train consciences that aren't under the influence of the Holy Spirit yet. Yeah, I think that that's so right. In fact, I think that once we share the gospel and the internal aspect of the heart can be changed by the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, and uh, then, you know, the second part of the how, I think, comes from growing in God's Word. And a lot of times what we do is is we share the gospel, but but we don't work through that second part. Or maybe as we're working through that second part of sanctification is what we call it, mm-hmm. but it's really growing in the Lord and learning how to die to yourself and put on Christ, right? Yeah. And so if we want ethics... If if we want people to be able to make right and wrong choices, and you know this is um, someone who is political, and they find themselves in a situation where it could compromise their marriage, and they say, "Hey, wait a second, I don't want to do that because I've been saved by Christ," mm-hmm. and then they they are spending time in God's Word, right. and as they're spending time in God's Word, they get to. Proverbs and it talks about the adulterer and and what happens in the path of the adulterer. You mentioned alcohol and what came to mind was Proverbs 23. And what's interesting is when I was 22 or 23, I I, I remember making the choice of what I was going to do with with alcohol. And yeah. everybody kind of has has to get to that point where they make a choice. Am I going to keep having this in my life? Am I going to have this in my life? And I was reading, and it's uh, Proverbs 23, 29, and it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine, do not look on wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent, and it stings like a viper. Mm. And yet we have all these commercials that reflect something completely different. And so, you know, how do we walk through these decisions that are even gray? You know, you, you have the liberty to do something, but you don't have the liberty to indulge in something. Right, right. And... And cultivating this through the next generation, through our own kids, I think is something that we need to think about. How are we going to do this? How are we going to encourage our kids? Yeah, yeah. And and the how begins, and you know, you've got to come to faith in Christ, and and then then you can begin to 
discuss and, and talk and train and, and you mentioned getting them to uh, learn to love Jesus right and it's you you destroy things that are not helpful to you or you combat temptation toward the wrong things by treasuring Jesus above that mm-hmm. and so it, it really is trusting in Jesus and then just falling in love with him mm-hmm. and and wanting him and, and wanting to please him and wanting to grow in Him more than whatever else is available to you. And so whether it is a business person that's making a decision about behaving a certain way in business, or it's a kid in a classroom uh, who is tempted to cheat on a test, or it's a politician that has the opportunity to uh, cheat on their spouse, or you know any of these areas that... You know, if I treasure Christ more than the moment of pleasure this brings me or more than the grade I'll get on tests uh, or more than the value I get by being thought of as successful, I, I value Christ over that. And, and that really begins to get down to the root of there's an identity and an idolatry issue. When, when something begins to control you, it's become your idol, mm-hmm. and and the 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 path out of worshiping the wrong thing is worshiping the right thing, and finding your identity tucked into into Jesus and into Christ. And so uh, that that's that other part of the how. If we're going to train the conscience, got to have a conscience that can be trained under the control of the Holy Spirit, and then you begin to work towards. We've said this so many times. Love God and love others as you love yourself. So you got to start training. Love Jesus the way you're supposed to love Jesus. Yeah, and it's interesting because one of the things that we don't think about is ethics really touches every area, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how should we, how ought we to act when we confront someone who may be in the wrong? Or how should we respond when we're in the wrong and someone's confronting us? Or, you know, how do you speak the truth in love? Or how do you, I mean, as we're growing and learning and, and developing in the Christian life and we begin to say, wait a second, there are some things around us in the community that could be better if we were able to see those things. And so one of the first things, you know, that you mentioned was obviously we have to know Christ, which means if we're growing in that, then our next step is we have to begin sharing Christ in the community. Right. We have to begin to, you know, that that people as they become to know Christ or as they come to know Christ, yeah. then you know, their lives too can be changed to be able to see that moral reference point. But the way we treat one another, the way that we handle relationships, the way that we handle our finances or manage our time, all of this really goes back to, are we going to do the right thing? And I, I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about what Charles Coulson and some of them did a few years ago when they got together and talked about doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. How do you, as a business person, cultivate that environment? How do yeah. I, as a teacher, how do, well, it starts with the gospel, right? Yeah, yeah, it starts with the gospel. And you know what, you, you, can, 
you can even work with unbelievers and and start with the gospel and have them behave in that ethical norm. Um, they may not be able to control all of that themselves. Like they're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But um, through loving them and through relationship and through a, a, a business, I, I'm thinking about Chick-fil-A, who not every person that works for Chick-fil-A is a Christian, but there's, a, there's an ethic that that company lives by. And it was founded with Christian principles. The ethics of that business is Christian principles. And so even non-believers who work there abide by those ethical standards. And they've created that culture by doing what they do with excellence, by treating their employees well. Because the business owners with the right ethic are making the right decisions. They're doing the right thing. Other people come in there and are treated the right way. Therefore, they're willing to kind of follow suit and behave yeah. in, in the same way. You know, one of the one of the commercials that I saw that they used to train their people a few years back was really interesting. Someone had sent it to me, and they said, "I just want you to see how they train their people." Mm-hmm. And and they're not expecting everyone to be a Christian, but they had this expectation that every person should be valued. And I thought that was interesting because in the commercial, what happens is there's a clerk at the counter and they're taking the orders and the buyer on the other side is ordering and the buyer is a little short or frustrated or, you know, something's going on Mm -hmm. and the clerk at the counter had the option of doing two things. They could either handle the client rudely Mm -hmm. or they could handle the client in thinking, I really don't know what's going on in their life right now, and I'm just going to take their order and extend all this grace, Mm. you know, extend this kindness to them so that they can feel valued, regardless of how they're treating me. The buyer on the other side, it pops up in these little bubbles on their head in the commercial, and it says, just lost my spouse, or... Mm just lost my job or you know and it's showing what the client is actually going through and so i thought wow they're really doing the right thing they're they're looking past themselves and seeing the value of other people and why are they doing that because some leader in their company you know loved jesus and wanted to extend his message of loving God's so heart, mind, soul, and loving your neighbors yourself yeah. for the best interest of the community. I'm not going to force everybody to do what I'm doing, right. but I'm going to show them the value of doing yeah. the right thing yeah. and how that reflects in their own life. Yeah, and, and you get a good picture of what happens when you behave with a, a, a moral compass that... They just pointed toward, we're going to value people. It set a compass. That's what we're going to do. It set, it set true north, and we're going to, we're going to do that. And, and we can all do that, and, and it comes down to there's got to be some personal responsibility right, for your own conscience. And um, you, you've got to make those decisions. And it is helpful when you have Christ in your life and you're controlled by the Holy Spirit because I don't always want to treat somebody that way. Yeah. But I have the Holy Spirit to help me try to do that. So it is better that I have Jesus and it would be best if everyone did 
apart from the fact that they would get heaven and forgiveness and eternal life, but you just think about the, the value of, of living, right, in the very practical sense. But every human being can be taught and trained to a level of civility, mm-hmm. right, yeah. and, 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 and a morality that, that benefits the whole over the individual. And I think that's something that's lacked from our society and our community that makes the discussions like we heard at the start of our podcast very beneficial. So hopefully this helps guide people. Maybe they can find that resource online and watch that whole discussion and you can tell us where that's found. Yeah, just look up Doing the Right Thing, Chuck Colson or Charles Colson, and you'll probably be able to come across that. And just remember in your days ahead, you know, uh, doing the right thing is not always easy. But it's good for not only you and for the community involved. The best thing is to have Christ centralized in your life, for you to be able to cultivate that in your families, in your spheres, in your community, and whoever's around through daily Bible study and and continuing to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, loving your neighbors yourself, continuing to share that with others. And hopefully that will be a good thing for you this week. Thanks so much.